Amen. Well, good morning, good morning. and welcome to worship here at St. John's. Uh, my name is Tom. Welcome again. Um, I am the pastor here, and uh, those of you who are joining us at home, welcome. Those of you who are joining us here, welcome. Um, if it's your first time here, uh, we want to especially welcome you. We're so grateful that you've decided to join us, and we have a connect card that you could fill out. It's a digital card these days. There's a link here on the screen as well as in the description if you're joining us from home. And if you fill that out, let us know you're here. It's our way of knowing so that we can thank you for worshiping with us. It's also the opportunity you have if you have a prayer request, if you have a question, if there's a way we can serve you, we'd love to be able to do those things for you as well. Um, if you'd like to give a gift as an offering, as an act of worship this morning, uh, you can do that online as well at the link on the screen. Or if you're here in person, there's an offering box as you enter and exit the sanctuary. And um, it is our way of worshiping. Whenever you give a gift, um, yes, it does things. It does real things in the name of Jesus through his church. Um, but the reason we call it an act of worship is because it's our way of taking a portion of what we believe, as Sarah alluded to in her prayer, that God has blessed us with, that God has provided us with, and it's giving it back and saying thank you. And so that's, that's the worship of it. And we thank each and every one of you who continue to be faithful in worship that way. Um, speaking of worship, we are going to be worshiping on Christmas Eve uh, together, and we have all sorts of different ways in which to do that. Um, we will have an online service that will be available starting the night before on December 23rd, and that will be available on demand throughout the week of Christmas. And then December 24th, Christmas Eve, we have two services indoors. One is at 1 o'clock, one is at 3 o'clock, and we strongly encourage you to pre-register to make sure that your family has a seat. Um, those seats are, are limited and starting to fill up really quickly, um, but check even early in the week because people you know, drop their registrations, and so we might be able to fit you in where you wanted to be before. Um, and then there's plenty of room at our outdoor service because we're going to be at Veterans Park. Um, this is called Christmas Eve on the Square. Uh, as I've said the last couple of weeks, I feel like if there's something that we're going to take with us even past 2020, Maybe it'll be this. This is going to be so cool. Um, we are going to gather and we are going to celebrate the birth of Jesus out on the square. So if that's how you'd like to join us, we'll have free hot cocoa um, provided by friends on the square. They're going to do that prior to the service too because it's going to be cold on Thursday. Um, but you know what? We've endured a lot of things this year and so I think we can do it. And uh, we'll make it a little bit easier by giving you some hot chocolate. So join us for Christmas Eve worship, however you choose to do so. And then uh, last but not least, uh, the Sunday after, uh, which is next Sunday, we're going to only be online. Uh, we're not going to have any in-person services because that's a lot of services in a week. Um, and so we're going to enjoy worshiping the Lord from home, which we're all very comfortable with these days. And that service will be available on our website at 8 o'clock or later. Uh, but again, the reason we're here today is to worship. We don't have to wait to worship. We're here to worship right now. And so uh, what I want to invite you to do is open up your Bibles. If you brought one with you, open it up. If you have the Bible app, open it up on your phone. If you're at home, go run, grab a Bible, bring it back to wherever you're worshiping with us from, and join in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. 
But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive, she's already in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. The angel left her. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, the last three Sundays, and this really wasn't prepared by me. I'd love to say it was, but it was the Holy Spirit guiding us through the scripture passages that we've been reading throughout the season of Advent. We've been, we've been focused on this singular theme. Three, three weeks ago, I, I shared it, and we've been talking about it ever since. It's that preparation and waiting are part of the good news of Jesus. Preparation and waiting are part of the good news of Jesus. Two weeks ago, we learned this by the Gospel of Mark's words as he tells the story of Jesus and begins with the story of John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, who God used to prepare the world for Jesus, for Jesus' coming for Christmas, through a message of repentance. And if you don't remember what repentance means, it's to let go of whatever you're holding on to so that you're prepared to receive Jesus, that you're prepared to hold on to him. We all have things that we need to let go of. I mean, I encouraged us to think about the year 2020. What do you need to let go of from this past year to take hold of the hope of Jesus in the year to come? So that's the message of John the Baptist. And that's where we get this message that preparation and waiting are part of the good news of Jesus. And then last week we talked about why. Why is it part of the good news? And we found the answer in how Jesus or how John answers the question who he is. When he we grew up to become an adult and he was baptizing people and calling out this message of repentance, people wanted to know who are you? And he answered the question in John chapter 1 verse 23 by saying the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. I am the voice. And we, we learned that the word voice in the Greek, which is what the New Testament language is, is, is the same word that we get our English word for phone from. I do this and my kids laugh at me. I guess the smartphone, I should do like this, right? Like that, something like, I don't know. Whatever they used to look like, that's where the word comes from. And, and I think that's awesome. Because what we're learning is, is that God uses these times of waiting and preparation like a phone or like a phone or whatever it looks like today to be used by God to deliver his word. Gospel writer John uses the same language there too. He calls Jesus the word and then he calls John the phone through which to communicate his word. And, and how that applies to our lives today is that when we're going through seasons of waiting and preparation, God uses the season like a phone. He's trying to speak his word to us through times of waiting. And so those are the last two weeks. And today, on this final Sunday of Advent, as we prepare for the coming of Jesus on Christmas, we're going to ask one final question. If those things are true, then how do I respond? 
How do I respond? If preparation and waiting are part of the good news of Jesus, and if the reason they're good is because God wants to use these seasons to speak his word to us, then how do we respond when we hear it? And thankfully, the word of God gives us an example, a living example, in a teenage girl by the name of Mary and how she responds when the angel comes to prepare her. So let's look at our reading again. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, I never quite read it this way before, but what I saw this year in this passage is that almost every detail Luke lays out screams preparation. Like, look, Elizabeth, she's, she's the mother of the future John the Baptist. John and Jesus are related, if you didn't know that. And it says here that she is in her sixth month of being pregnant, which means she is preparing to become a mother. Likewise, Mary is preparing to become a wife. She's engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. She's also a virgin, which is significant in a number of different ways, but one of those ways is to tell us what she wasn't yet prepared for, and that was to have a child while maybe prepared to do so in the future. Now, all this made me think this week about when my wife, Alyssa, and I were engaged to be married. It was for us, and I know for a lot of people, especially when you're young and ignorant, it's, it's fun, right? Because you don't know yet what you don't know. And, and I, I mean, don't laugh too hard. Carol's laughing, and Carol knows. <laughs> Carol Saban, for those of you at home. It's true, right? Like, like you're preparing for a world that you have no clue what's about to actually happen. And, and with that ignorance, there's this bliss. There's this excitement about all the preparation and the potential. Like, what could possibly happen? And you make plans. And, you know, I think about it for us. It was just like Mary and Joseph. Alyssa, um, she, she got her, her job at, at the um, hospital in Burlington. She moved back home preparing for us to be married and, and to live together in, in this area. And uh, so she became an OR nurse, and that brought with it potential for her career. I, I graduated from college the same, same month that we actually got married, which for me was just preparation to be able to go on to, to graduate school, which was seminary, which was to prepare to become a pastor. I, I purchased our first home that year in preparation for our marriage, a little two-bedroom condominium in Burlington, and maybe like Joseph, I was kind of like him too, because Joseph would have gone to prepare a place for him and Mary to live when they got married. Difference was, I was technically able to afford to buy it, but I couldn't afford to furnish it or do anything else with it. And so we built the house together. It was really her and I both that did that. But in all of it, it was all preparing, and it all came so fast. And it all came with so much change that I remember it all almost passed me by. It wasn't until the morning of our wedding, and I had all the dudes that were in the wedding. They all spent the night at my house, and they all left, and I was the last one to leave. And I got into my car, and I was just about to get into my car, and I was wearing my tuxedo. I'm ready to go over to the church, and the only way I could describe it is the Holy Spirit. Something stopped me. And I could almost just, this thought was imposed. It wasn't like an audible voice, but it was this thought that was imposed in my head that said, Tom, in a few hours, everything in your life is about to change. 
Everything that you've been preparing for, everything that's been going on up until this point, it's all about to be over. All the preparation is ending and the life is going to begin. And if you don't slow down, you're going to miss the whole thing. And so I stood there in my tuxedo, it was pretty warm, standing next to my car, and I just said a small prayer. And I asked God to help me soak the moment. I was able to remember our wedding day better because God had come to me in that moment, not let the thing pass, not let anything pass me by. And, and I thought about that this week as I thought about Mary. And I thought about her interruption. <laughs> in the midst of her engagement, which was infinitely more significant than mine. Don't let me compare the two. But it was also much clearer what God was doing in the middle of it. Look at verse 28 again. The angel came to Mary and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words, and she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And I look at that and I go, do not be afraid, Mary. Like, what could she possibly have been afraid of? It already seems to be going in a good direction. What could she possibly be scared of? And there's a couple of things. I mean, the obvious one is that an angel just showed up, right? Like, like throughout Scripture, it's fairly consistent. That's a scary experience. But I also wonder, just wonder, it's just Tom thinking. You can decide for yourself if this is true, but... I wonder if, if, if the interruption in and of itself was scary. If the interruption in and of itself was frightening. Because she's in the midst of preparation, right? Joseph's off preparing the house. They're thinking about how they're going to prepare for their life together. Elizabeth's pregnant. She may not know that at this point, but she might be thinking about the day when they would start a family the traditional way. And an angel coming to her was not part of that plan. That was not part of any of her plans. This was an unanticipated interruption. And maybe Mary's afraid of what that means. Maybe Mary's afraid of what's about to happen. And so thankfully, in grace, the angel doesn't waste any time explaining why he's here. Look at verse 31. He says, You will conceive, Mary, and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And there's something here that we're learning that we're going to back into for the very rest of the message here this morning about times of preparation and waiting, and it's this. It's always about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. Notice how... The angel tells Mary, you're about to conceive and give birth to a son. And then for the very rest of the passage, starts talking about the son. Focuses on the son. It's all about Jesus, right? And I could stop my sermon right now. We know that. Amen. Let's go. Take communion. We'll leave. (laughs) It's all about Jesus. You didn't need to come to church for that. You didn't need to tune in for that, right? You know it's all about Jesus. And that all sounds great, except for the fact that, remember, this all came out of nowhere. This was an unanticipated interruption. This is not what Mary or Joseph or anybody was prepared for. And yet at the same time, as Carol laughs, as Sue laughs, as you laugh at home, we know that if we've lived any amount of time on this planet, that sometimes what God is preparing us for and what we think God is preparing us for 
are two very different things. Sometimes those are two very different things. And I think it was the angel blessing Mary in the moment here by relieving her of, our fear, of her fears, not by necessarily even taking them away right away, but by focusing her eyes on Jesus. And I say that because I think that can help you and me too. When our world is spinning and out of control, I think it can be helpful to be reminded of the promises of God, that God is going to do what God is going to do no matter how out of control the world might seem. And at the same time, that doesn't mean that we don't still ask questions. Mary even had questions. Look at verse 34. She says to the angel, after she hears all of this, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? (laughs) She basically says to Gabriel, you know, Gabriel, I am prepared for a lot of things, but I tried very hard not to be prepared for the one thing you're telling me I have to be prepared for. You You see what I'm saying? This is the one thing I was not prepared for at all. This is not what I wanted to see happen. This is not what I was thinking was about to be done. And I love that. I love how Mary asks questions because we ask questions too, don't we, when our plans change. And aren't we just in this one big giant bubble of changing plans right now? All of us, right? Hasn't 2020 been just this incredible cosmic interruption for all of our plans and our preparations? What you were prepared for last Christmas is probably very different than what you're preparing for right now. And after the shock and the fear subsides, we, we begin to ask some questions. And, and, and the truth is there's nothing wrong with asking questions. But at the same time, There are some questions that are more helpful to ask than others. And we see that here just a few verses before our reading. If you're looking at your Bible, you'll see this with me. Otherwise, I'll put it up on the screen in just a second. There's the same angel, Gabriel, goes before he goes to Mary, goes to a priest named Zechariah. Zechariah and Elizabeth are the relatives of Mary, right? They're the future parents of John the Baptist. But they are well beyond childbearing years. Think like AARP membership. Think like retirement. Retirement age, like maybe I want to move down to Florida. Like that's where they're at at this particular moment in time. And yet Zechariah, he's the priest, right? He's doing his priestly duties. And the angel comes to him and says that he and his wife are going to have a son. And it sounds crazy. And it blocks and, 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 and just throws for a loop all of their preparations and plans. And so he asks a question that the author here of the gospel wants you to see in relation to Mary's question. His question is this. He says, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. How can I be sure of this? Now, why, why my wife is well along in years. I'm old. How can I be sure of this? And it sounds very familiar to the question we just read a few verses later in Luke 134. Mary asked the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? But there's actually a very important distinction here. And that's why I want this up on the screen for just a minute longer. There's a very important difference. And it's what's going to answer the question, how do we respond when God comes to us with these messages? with these messages that interrupt us, when he is preparing us, when we're going through seasons of waiting and we hear his word, how do we respond in the midst of these times? Even when we don't understand, even when we're afraid of it, how do we respond? Look at the verse again. Zechariah asks, how can you do the impossible? Where Mary says, how will you do the impossible? There's a difference. Pammy, if you go back to the slide before that, it's not in my notes, so I'm sorry, there we go. 
See this? How can I be sure of this? Do you see that? You may not have even caught that at first glance. Mary doesn't ask how to be sure. She just doesn't know how it's going to work, right? So back to the next slide. The difference is Zachariah says, how can you do the impossible? Mary doesn't ask that question. She says, how will you do the impossible? Only one of them believes God can actually do it. And look at how the angel answers Zechariah, the one who doesn't. Verse 19, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent. And you will not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe, not because you asked a question, but because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Zechariah is silenced because he doesn't believe. And you know what? I just got to be honest with you. It's been a really honest sermon series. Every week I feel like I'm just sharing something honest and true. And, and it's true for me too that that's my problem sometimes as well. That I'm so grateful that I am I'm not alone. That the priest Zechariah struggles with the same thing that I struggle with. That sometimes I struggle with believing. Sometimes I struggle. Sometimes I'm paralyzed by it, to be honest. And I'm not paralyzed because I don't understand it. I gave that up a long time ago. There's lots of things in life I don't understand. That doesn't bother me. I know some, for some people it does. It, it doesn't bother me. I get paralyzed when I stop believing, when I stop having the faith that God can do the things that I don't understand. That's what's paralyzing to me. And, and Jesus' brother James, he actually warns against this. In James 1, he said this. He said, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Now you see, there's no question. Ask God questions, right? Ask God questions. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The questions are never the problem. The questions are never the problem. Ask God any question, but don't lose faith that God holds every answer. Ask God any question, but never lose the faith that God holds every answer, whether you understand the answers or not, because if, if you don't have faith, that's where you lose your balance and fall. That's where life goes off the rails. And I was sharing this, and I've shared this story probably several times over the years, but I was sharing it with somebody this week. It was about six months before Alyssa and I got married. This was an unanticipated interruption in our preparation for marriage. I was in a terrible car accident. Totaled my car. The other car was totaled as well. We were lucky to walk away, let alone walk like I mean, it was just, just a miracle. We didn't even have any major injuries or anything. And so because of that, of course, I had to drive again. And anybody who's ever been in a car accident, you know that when you get behind the wheel after having that kind of experience, it, it can be quite terrifying. And for months, I was terrified. And as I think back on it, it wasn't that I was terrified of the question that I could get into an accident again. I knew the answer about that before I ever got in an accident in the first place. It's a risk we take when we go out onto the road. The reason I was scared was because I didn't have any faith in anything around me anymore. 
I didn't have any faith in any cars that were driving around me. I mean, for months, I would drive up to an intersection, and there'd be a stop sign, and if it looked anything like the intersection I was in an accident in, I had no faith the people driving through were going to stop. I had no faith at all. And then I didn't have faith that if I ran into something and I saw something, that I would be able to get myself out of it. I had no faith in my own abilities. Frankly, looking back, I didn't have faith that God would protect me. And so the safest thing that I could do in that season, if I actually wanted to become a better driver, it made me a bad driver for a while. I was probably more likely to get into an accident throughout that season than I was before that. And the only way to become a safer driver was to build up my faith again. I had to have faith. And friends, I I share this because, and I've said this before, I think it's been the case for a while now, but in this crazy, scary world that we're living in, I feel like everybody's just afraid. Everybody's just afraid. And, and, and for some, it's, it's, it's fear of, of the pandemic, of, of the virus. And, and, and leading up to the election, I mean, it was so clear that there were so many people that are just terrified of who's in control of the government, just scared, afraid. And, and, and I could pick all sorts of other things. And, and, and when I shared the, just these two examples, right, these, there's legitimacy in all of that, isn't there? There's legitimacy in being afraid of some of these things, right? Like, like I just read the, the, the statistics, and somebody's dying of COVID-related complications once every, like, 33 seconds in this country. That's real. It's also real that the people in charge of our government have real and lasting impact on the daily lives of those who live here. It's real. For small business owners and people who are on welfare and and, and everybody in between. I mean, it it affects us in real ways, just like accidents happen. And it would actually be ignorant for me to get out on the road and pretend like they don't. It's actually wise to have a prudent fear when you get out on the road, just like it was wise for, for Zachariah and Mary to have questions about this crazy plan that God says he's about to prepare for them to live. But friends, what scripture tells us is is we hold those fears. First of all, hold them in reality. Don't ignore them. Don't minimize them. That's a coping mechanism. Don't blow them out of proportion. That's a coping mechanism too. But what's more important than any of that is don't lose your faith. Don't lose your faith in the middle of those things. Don't lose your faith that God can and God will, whether you understand it or not. And I needed that this week. I needed to hear that this week. I hope you did too, but I needed to hear that this week. And I came into church, and and I got this letter from our denomination, and inside it had this, this bracelet. And I was like, who needs a bracelet? That's how I felt. I mean, just be honest. It's about to throw it away, right? But I looked at it, and, and I wasn't having a good day. I was paralyzed in that particular moment. I was just having a moment, right, where I was, was lacking faith. I was lacking that belief, that, that cause to become paralyzed. It was just the moment I was in. And, and I took this out of the mail, and I opened this up, and I read it. I thought, well, maybe God has something to say to me. And on the other side of it, it says, God's got this. God's got this. And then on the reverse side, it it quotes Isaiah 43, 1. And I'll read that to you. I open up my Bible. It says, but now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. 
Do not fear. Do not fear. Why? Because you're mine. Don't lose your faith that you are God's, no matter what happens. Mary never lost her faith. She knew that God could do anything. She just wanted to know how. She just wanted to know how. It's a natural question. And Gabriel gives her somewhat of an answer. Look at verse 35. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. This is how. The Holy Spirit is going to come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, she's going to have a child in her old age. And she was the one that was said to be never able to conceive. She's already in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. For no word from God will ever fail. And so now Mary knows how, sort of. But she also knows that it's still not going to be easy. And she still doesn't know how it's going to fit any, into any of the predetermined plans that she and Joseph had when they got engaged to be married. And so what do you do? Full circle. What do you do when you know that preparation and waiting are part of the good news of Jesus? And you know the reason why is because God wants to use 2020... God wants to use your interruptions. God wants to use a pandemic. God wants to use an angel coming to a teenage girl who's a virgin and engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. God wants to use the seasons of preparation and waiting like a phone to communicate his word. You know this. What do you do when you're like Mary and you know that to be true and you receive that word and you ask why with faith and God says, I will be with you, and then lovingly draws your attention back to Jesus. How do you respond in that moment? It's the simplest way. Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel of the Lord left. And so the only thing left for us to say this may be true of us as well. And let's pray for that right now. Lord Jesus, you are God and you are good. And your word tells us that in the seasons of waiting and preparation, that those seasons are not times that we, we simply anxiously look for a fast-forward button to get out of quickly. But there are moments in our lives that you're using like a phone to communicate your truth to us and to prepare us, not for the future that we had planned, but for the future that you have planned. And that's terrifying, God. That's terrifying for all of us. And so help us to own that. Help us to own our fears. Help us to bring those things before your feet. That we might know that you know when we're afraid. And Lord God, I pray that we would have the faith to repent of the times that we've looked at our circumstances. And we've lost the faith to believe that you're still God that you can still do this, that you've still got this. We fail to remember 
your word through the prophet Isaiah that we don't have to fear because you have redeemed us, that you have summoned us by name, that we are yours. We don't give up our fear because you are ours, God. You're not ours. You don't fit in a box. We are yours. We are your prized possession. We are your creation. You made us. You gave us life. And you chose for us to live that life right now in this place and at this time. And God, I want to thank you for the times that we become paralyzed by our fear like Zechariah because sometimes in the silence we can finally hear the voice of God. His story is one of redemption. John the Baptist would be born and he would name him John just like you told him to. And so when we lose our faith and we don't believe God, because of your grace, we know we can come before you. We can own that. We can, we can tell you. We can ask you to help us. And we can do that knowing full well that you are with us always because that is your promise that is your truth. And because it's your truth, it's our truth as well.